Hey, welcome back to the Zelosophy Podcast. It's your host, Z. We have a very special episode today. Uh, my dad is here, and his oldest friend, his best friend, Skippy Piccarello. Uh, my dad and I will try and get some words in edgewise, but that's going to be tough with Skippy. Um, the, the reason they're here is there's many reasons they're here, but one of the reasons is we're going to get into doing something we don't do a whole lot on this show is uh, we're going to talk politics because these guys are on complete opposite ends of the political spectrum, and yet they've been friends for over 50 years. So we're going to find out how that works. Maybe we can find out how the rest of us can be with friend, be friends with people that we disagree with politically. But first, we got some announcements. Zelosophy TV with Uncle Z and Friends has really taken off. We just filmed an episode, uh, a segment of episode one with Skippy and my dad. We did Divide the Nation with Rich Hader. It's hilarious. You guys are going to love it. Uh, the pilot's live on YouTube. The GoFundMe page is live. We need your support to help so that we can keep making this show, making people laugh, making people think. So go to GoFundMe, look up Zelosophy TV with Uncle Z and Friends, and uh, chuck us some money, will you? Upcoming appearances, Sunday, March 1st, I'll be at the National Golf Expo at the Seaport World Trade Center with Hardy from 98.5 The Sports Hub. You know Hardy from the Zolak and Bertrand Show. We're going to be talking philosophy on golf, signing some books. We'll have a lot of fun. Saturday, March 28th, I will be in Nashville. Uh, I'm actually going to be there the whole week before, but on the 28th, there's a public talk, hopefully at the Tennessee State Museum. It's a philosophy talk on harmony and how we use the examples of musical harmony to teach us how to create a harmonious society. You know, when we blast instruments at each other, it doesn't sound so good and we don't get anywhere. But if we listen to each other, if we play together, if we harmonize, then things go better. The music sounds great. Maybe society can be a little bit better if we try that. That's going to be the theme of that talk. I think that that's it for the announcements. Uh, I don't want to waste any more time. Let's get Skippy on air before he uh, lo- before he loses his drive, which has never happened in the history of Skippy Piccarello. Okay, here we go. Coming up next, uh, the Philosophy Podcast with Zavin Zildjian and Anthony Skippy Piccarello. These two, they're already whispering and giggling. We haven't even started yet. So here we are, Philosophy Podcast with Zavin Zildjian and Anthony Skippy Piccarello. Thanks for being here, guys. Hey, our pleasure. Uh, So uh, people may know, I haven't had a drink yet this year. I'm not drinking. I'm taking a break for a while, but we got some wine for you guys. And uh, in order of the celebration, I am going to have one sip because this is a special day. So cheers. Chin Don. Chin Don. Genatsen. Salute. And Skippy, why don't you tell the people what Jindan means and who you don't say it to? Yeah. Jindan means in Italian, obviously, live to 100. But you'd never say that to someone who's 99. <laughs> For obvious reasons. Uh, so welcome, guys. Um, as you heard me say on in the intro, we don't do a lot of politics on this show because it's pretty divisive, and I like to talk about things that are unifying. But I thought it would be fun since it's Valentine's Day, and you guys have, you know, uh, loved each other for a long time. Mm. We don't have to celebrate just romantic love, but how about the love between a Democrat and a Republican 
that we can celebrate on Valentine's Day. What do you think about that? I think it's a great idea. When I first met Skippy, I didn't know he was a Democrat. Maybe <laughs> I wouldn't be here with him if, if I did know that at the time. But he seemed like a nice guy. His wife was a very nice person. And Janet and I got along real well with them. And uh, it's been, what, 50 years now, 51. Skippy? 51. 51. 51 years. Oh, my God. So, 51. Skip. How have you made it this long without strangling your good friend who uh, is a staunch conservative? Well, you know something? When you're younger, most people are Democrats. Sure. I don't know why. Maybe because— <laughs> I don't either. You know, there's a, <laughs> there's a reason, I guess. And so when you heard of conservatives, you said, what is that? And I grew up in the East Boston area. I didn't know much about politics until— the late 60s or early 70s. But I did know, I thought, Democrats help people and conservatives or Republicans make money. Right. That's what I always heard. Yeah. Obviously, that's not always true either way. Right. And I used to tell people, because I was in politics, as you know, yep. for 45 years one way or another, that the, uh, the Democrats had a way of showing you they were helping and then screwing you. Sure. <laughs> and the Republicans were, they didn't have that time. They just screwed you right yeah, away. Yeah, right to your face. <laughs> and, and since I worked for both sides, when I was with the mayors of Boston and then the Joe Malone, who was the treasurer, I saw both angles from a state level. Didn't really understand the federal level all that well. But uh, you found out later on in life a little bit more, but you need age to find that out. Sure. If you're going to stay biased, yeah, then you're certainly not going to understand the other side. Yeah. Is that right, Mr. Z? That's right. Yeah, so um, I could say that you guys are actually at fault for me having this podcast and this career at all. I mean, one of my earliest memories is being a small child sitting at the dinner table or out in the backyard at the, the picnic table after dinner uh, where you— and the wives were having some drinks, and you guys would talk politics. You'd talk the medical industry. You smoke cigars. Uh, you talk about religion, and all of oh. these deep conversations that got fiery at times. Yes, they did. <laughs> but it depended on how much you drank. But right, how fiery you got. <laughs> but usually, not always, but usually, most of the, by far, most of the time, they would end up with hugs and kisses and. No matter where you disagreed, in the end of the day, you found the way back to the foundation of your friendship. Correct. And that was yeah. more important. Yeah. yeah, no matter how much we argue, and we have had some argues that uh, are historic in, uh, in that uh, there were no knives or guns available because I think someone would be— not here today, <laughs> right. but probably me. Especially since, yeah, since he's the one with all the guns. <laughs> oh, that's right. That, that's a conservative thing. That's a, it is very conservative. Uh, but, boy, it was um, something that just we went back to each other all the time, no matter how much we had a difference of opinion. And there was times when Skippy was working for a Democrat, and he would ask me, could you help us out? And I would go and... Hold a sign or put signs out or uh, put stickers on cars in East Boston. Yeah. And when the Republican was running, Skippy would work with that Republican. And that Republican was good to us. At least was to me yeah. and to you. 
Yes, he was. And um, he was an Italian guy too. <laughs> Is that why he was a good guy? No. <laughs> Yeah, so another one of my earliest memories is when you ran for office in East Boston. 1987, your father was the campaign manager. Right, and oh I boy. was uh, recruited to be one of the uh, foot soldiers. We yes. went door to door, handing out flyers, talking yeah. to people, holding signs, waving at people. That's when I got introduced to the political machine Yeah. at an early age. I tell you one thing, you know, I was involved with a lot of campaigns, as everybody knows. But once you're a candidate... It's different, yeah, because it's more specific, and you have to answer questions, and you got to do this, that, and it's a, a different avenue. And it, I, I ran my business time. Remember, I had the store, yeah, right. So I had opened the store. That's and back leave. when politicians actually had other jobs and worked. Other jobs, <laughs> and then I'd go home and shower, put on a suit, campaign, and then not the not down at Charlestown, and you started to learn. We didn't, we did okay considering we didn't win. But we, we proved the point, I think. What, I don't know if you get paid for proving a point. No, but. you did not get paid for that. <laughs> but Zyber, we all did a lot of work. I can confirm that you did not get paid but for that. Actually, but it was also different back then, right? I mean, it was tough. Late 80s. It was tough, and there was some, you know, I remember there's some touch-and-go moments of meanness on the campaign trail, if you were, but nothing like there is today. No, nothing like it is, no. I'm glad well, we're not. I'm glad you're not going to run again, Skip. I don't think I. Well, I can run a Don Orion elderly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you definitely. Get, I could win there because you the definitely what get elected as mayor at the at the old folks' home. Um, so yeah, but uh, you know, you guys have even recently. I, I remember, you know, because things have gotten pretty dicey politically recently. There was a time even a. A couple of years ago, I think you guys stopped talking for a few months. Because we did, didn't we? You yeah, had yep, one of yep, your knockdown drag-out fights. Was it because of politics? Of course. Oh. <laughs> yeah. it, what else could it, it be it about? You guys, the young women you guys agree on everything it else. It was never personal. It was politics. Yeah. That's a yellow P. Remember? Yeah. P, P, P. <laughs> but still, here you are. You find your way, found your way back. You made up, and then you realize again that your friendship is more important than than your political views and how they may differ. That's absolutely true. A good cigar, a good glass of wine, and yeah. a good friend you can't be. I agree with yeah. that. And having Skippy around is like having a free comedian over at the house. Well, oh, that's another. <laughs> <laughs> a free comedian. You're taking advantage of it. <laughs> so, Skip, Boy. let's get to uh, the yeah. heart of this. Really why I, I invited you guys here is to tell all my fans out there why you think I'm so great and what I'm doing. Who said that? <laughs> you said well, it when we were off air in, oh! the, in the TV studio just Ma a few Michael, minutes ago. Michael, you're great, and you're doing a wonderful job. Thank you, Dad. You're Here welcome. comes the 20 bucks. Skippy, you want your 20? I don't know. But <laughs> to get back to that, you're at a stage of life, your age, you've seen enough to understand we need more harmony. You mentioned earlier about music. I always thought music was the great equalizer. Yeah. Yeah. And you, everybody feels better, you know, whatever music it is. Yeah. And what you're doing, regardless of how successful you become, yeah. you are successful. Yeah. Because you're doing you. something thank you. that human beings all should be doing to some level. Yeah. Instead all right. Well, that's all we need for today. That's the show. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Give me the 50, <laughs> Uh, no, I, I agree with you. I mean, for the new TV show, Philosophy TV with Uncle Z and Friends, it's a really important component of it that I haven't quite gotten to yet. But 
like you said, music is a great connector. So uh, you guys are both big Frank Sinatra fans. We used to listen oh, to that gosh. a lot as a kid. And, you know, you don't think about your different political views, your different sexual orientation, your different gender identity, your bank account, whatever. You're just listening to Frank sing, and everybody's on that same frequency at that moment. Yes. And it reminds us that we're connected despite our differences. Yep, that is very, very true. You see people at these uh, concerts, they're dancing and they're happy, and you can't tell if one is a Democrat or one's a Republican. Or, or an unrolled. Uh, <laughs> unenrolled. He, he, There's more of them than anybody. Yeah, you would know. Yeah. <laughs> no, and, and it's it brings people together, and it it crosses generations. It's not a a single generation. It's many generations. My, my you, know, you, Michael, listen yeah, to Frank. I'm right here. <laughs> you listen to Frank Sinatra and. Sure. Uh, uh, Ella Fitzgerald and Benny Goodman and so forth. And then we listened to... Well, I was forced to as a kid. <laughs> so I learned to like it. But Shh, no, not so loud. <laughs> My probation officer may hear you. <laughs> I tortured these kids. Yeah. No, you're, actually... You're pretty you, good in so, too. You do so a good well, job. One of the rules when <laughs> we were job. kids was that we had to do all the family chores and clean the house on Saturday mornings before we could go do anything. Yeah. But the great part of that was that you and mom always played great music. We had. So we, we, even though we were kind of miserable because we were kids and we didn't want to be cleaning and vacuuming and all that crap, it made that, that uh, monotonous chore, those monotonous chores, a lot better because of the music that we had. And we were all singing and dancing around and joking with each other. And, you know, it, uh, even in that moment that we weren't really fully enjoying it, it connected us. I remember when I was young, before I went to work. That was, what, uh, 80 years ago? Uh, 79. <laughs> but uh, my father had the business. I was 11 years old when I went down there, about a year or two earlier. And I was home on Saturdays, and my mother used to play Firestone Opera. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. The Opera Hour. You yep. remember. WC. And I learned, not much, but I learned the melody, the oh, the emotion the of emotion. opera. Yeah. And I get it today when I hear... Anybody sing Nezum Dorma from Puccini? Yeah, I almost cried because what's his name? The guy that died a couple Pavarotti? years. Pavarotti. Pavarotti yeah. was great, but I heard Mario Lanza. I put him on the other day, and I forgot he died in 1959. Oh wow! But he had a great chest, and he was a great singer, and that kind of stuff turns you on. We won't, get, we won't get into this, but that's the only time in my entire life I've ever heard you say a man has a great chest. Yes. We'll just leave it at that. That's okay. <laughs> Most people know that's not my forte, but go ahead. And also, you know, <laughs> Mom uh, is a huge Pacelli fan, as you know, and he yeah. does a great version of Nessie. Yes, Dome. he does. But you're a Frank Sinatra guy. Let's have you sing a few bars of your favorite Frank I've song. I've got you under my skin. I've got Ghana, you. Ghana. De- what do you mean, Ghana? What are we, slow? I mean, <laughs> oh, yeah. I've See that- got you deep in the heart of me, so deep in my heart. You are certainly a part of me. I've got you under my skin. You came with me a couple of times there to you see go. him. We have a Democrat serenading a Republican on Valentine's Day. There wow. is a chance for us, people. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm really unenrolled. Although you were singing about farming. being under your skin, so I don't know. Under, under something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, getting back to him, I saw him eight times, Sinatra. And I didn't see him till 1974 when he was 59. Wow. But I had followed him from like 1962. Yes, you had. Yeah. 
Yep. When my mm. friend introduced me, so I used to buy Jack Daniels because that's what that's Frank what drank. He drank yeah. I put it on the mantle and listened to everything. That's why I know a lot of his stuff to some degree. And then when I get married, I say, Ruthie, we can do a lot of things. There is a Sinatra hour yeah. every night. Yeah. <laughs> and we, So I saw him in 74 all the way up to 1992 when he was uh, 76 singing down in Worcester. Mm. And I was in the third row with a good friend of mine, and he was like 5'7". Sinatra wasn't big. No, he was yeah. did, did we go with you? No, like you didn't that? come the last oh, time. Oh, okay. Shirley MacLaine was the uh, the beginning. So it was, I had a lot of fun listening to Sinatra. Then I saw him with Sammy Davis. Yeah. I was supposed to have Dean Martin, but he had quit Dean that. Dean got sick, yeah. 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 So That's great a, Sinatra. My wife loved Streisand. Yeah. So we had, we considered the two best. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, those are some of my favorite memories of the two couples when we were little kids and you guys were listening to your music. And, you know, again, either before or after you have these heated discussions that sometimes to outside people would have appeared to be <laughs> arguments that would end a friendship. But yeah. they, they never did. And then you always came back to the to the music and to the things that uh, we connected would play you. the music and then we would dance and then you would sleep. And then yeah. I would sleep. And Jan would sleep. And Ruthie would. I was the only one left. <laughs> I talked to myself. And I won every argument. You never got the hint that you were boring. I tried. <laughs> never no. lost an argument with yourself. Uh, so you mentioned your wife. We should talk about her, Ruthie. Who yes. Is, I mean, well, you guys both. I mean, obviously, Ruthie passed uh, a few years ago. Um, but, you know, I, you've I've never known a day on this earth without either of you. Uh, you've known me since the day I was born, and you've been like a, a another father figure to yep. me, and like an uncle. And and Ruthie was certainly yep. like a second mother to me. Um, and uh, she's no longer with us. She, yeah, twelve years ago, you were born in seventy four. Seventy four. And uh, of course, we were five years into our relationships having the families. Oh yeah. When he was born, right after my daughter Tara, and we wondered how old were you then when you had him? Thirty. Yeah. Well, figure it out. You don't know. Yeah, Come on. Uh, mom, mom, yeah, mom, mom was 30. You were 32. Yeah. So it was like a, a later child. Yeah, we started days. young. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, nine years younger than Mark. So I was the, the last of the bunch. Great times. Great times. And, uh, yeah, Ruthie was a, a, probably a rarity. When I, I have two other friends that have, and C, whose wife is uh, great. They were good, solid women. Yeah. And they love, they love to be loved, they know what a husband is, and they know what children is. Yeah. And they stay and hang in. So when you find that type of person, either way, you're blessed. Yeah. Well, you both, you know, you both have had had long relationships with uh, your wives and, and families and and I know from firsthand experience that those were not always easy and that there were a lot of, <laughs> ro a lot of rocky moments <laughs> along the way. Understatement. Uh, so how'd you keep it together? See? Well, you know, it's you make a commitment. And no matter the good, the bad, and the ugly come along. And you have to stay with that commitment or you move on. And uh, we chose to stay and get through the commitment and get through the ugliness and get back to the, the happiness because there were so many good happy times that you could relate to 
that uh, you didn't want to lose that because, uh, you know, life is funny. It's sometimes good and sometimes bad, but when they're good, they're great. And uh, we experienced that so many times. I was just thinking of the time that we came to East Boston. Two things I remember about coming to East Boston. Coming to East Boston, listening to the music, and Janet and I falling asleep in your living room. With Ruthie. <laughs> With Ruthie. And Skippy is standing there saying, I what? danced alone. <laughs> <laughs> and the other time that I remember about coming to East Boston that I will never, never, never forget, and I, we will never be able to recreate it, was sitting on the stoop in East Boston, smoking a cigar, listening to the ball game, having a drink, and just talking. That's correct. Huh? Remember that? What was that? Falcon Street. Falcons, I think, 1975, roughly. Just sitting there in the dark, all alone. He always brings that up because it was a peaceful time. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is with all the, like you said, the difficult times and the difficult moments, the ones you remember the most are the happy times and the peaceful times. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, again, I think that that's, these are good stories to tell now to remind people that although we're going through tough times as a country and tough times as a world, and there's a lot of divisiveness. There's still a lot of beauty and love within all of that. And, uh, you know, maybe we need to redirect our attention to the, to the happy thoughts and to the happy times. Well, you know, being an only child, uh, I mentally was scurred or skewed or whatever the word is from the onset. Yeah. And my father had a business that did you know, small business, but he did pretty good. So money was never a problem to me. Mm. Not that we had a lot, but if you made a hundred, he made two fifty. That was a big difference in yeah. nineteen sixty. Oh yeah, right? absolutely. So <laughs> when he said to me, "I'm going to send you to college," I says, "What? Me? I'm a street kid." But he knew that if I could get some kind of an education, it would help maybe in his business or other things. But it took me a long time because my wife came from a family of five that had it harder. And I always had my own mind. Yeah. Good many times, not so good others. Yeah. And you never entirely lose that. You learn how to compromise it mm -hmm. so you can go on. Like I said, I, I've had a wonderful life. And that's why I help a lot of people even today because I know a lot of people didn't. Right. And I like to at least share with them how you can relax without having a lot of money. Because everybody fights to get money. And that's really a very small partial answer, in my opinion. Yeah, I know it's, a lot of people with money don't really enjoy life. No, right. that's true. But money, a certain amount of money is, is, is important. But what we're talking about is the, the relationships and the, the sitting in the stoop. And yeah, dancing. you didn't need much money for that. Dancing in your living room, in my living room, having our kids together. Yeah, but you used to charge me to dance in your room. <laughs> <laughs> he threw dollar bills at you, did he? I tell you, your parents, if you, as you recall, a couple of businesses they were in, and when your mother was that nursing outfit, yep. Yep. they'd have parties. You couldn't get in the house. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. People yeah. everywhere. Great times. A lot of nice people. And we used to look forward to that, especially when you move back to uh, where you are now. 
in the early 80s. Yeah, we had nice parties in the backyard, barbecue, a little beer, a little music. And and always good conversation. And and the pizza parties. Mom mom would make 100 pizzas. 100 pizzas for six people. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, it was more like 100 people, but still way too much pizza. Uh, and there was, you know, those the were pizza the parties were unbelievable. People would come. We would they would wait all year long. Yeah. Jen, when are you going to do the pizza party? Jen, when are you yeah. going to do the pizza party? So yeah. we'd make pizzas for about a month and make some, freeze them, make some more, freeze them. Yeah, pizza everywhere. But they. But would, I got to tell you though, you guys, the kids, Ollie is very loving, nice people, yeah. uh, like my children. Yeah. And it was always you always respected Ollie is. Yeah. Uh, everything that went on, and I didn't see much of a problem. I mean, you always have difficulties, but you guys were good. They did a good job with you. <clears throat> That's the yeah. trouble with what I see today, is Skippy, the, that stick to it. The this, yeah. That's a word, if I can get it out of my mouth. Yeah. Uh, that people today, it's it's a throwaway society. Somewhat. That, yeah, and um, they just when the tough when the things get tough, they they move on. They say, oh, I'll Next, instead of saying, let's fix this because it's something here. But sometimes there isn't something there, and, and, and that can happen too. But it's, today is, it seems to be a, a throwaway. Uh, use it today, it's gone tomorrow, forget about it. Where our generation and the generations before, you stuck it out, and you figured it out, and you uh, ended up coming up with a solution. Well, you did. There were a lot of people that stuck it out that weren't happy. My aunts and uncles, for example, <laughs> that didn't enjoy life like we did because they were not taught properly because whose grandparent wasn't there and whatever. They just got married for the sake of having children. Yeah. For a say. Because it get, people got married back then. They got married. I remember certain conversations. I won't get into the detail. <laughs> I was shocked. But once you learned that we're all the same, and we're all entitled to enjoy this life the same. Yeah. Which took a long time in this country, which is still not there. Especially dealing with women. Mm-hmm. Men have not been that kind in many areas. It's, it's taken true. a while. It's true. Uh, you know, there's a lot that a lot that needs to be fixed there. Uh, and then the scary part is that in our society, we generally try take things too far. So now you have this feminist movement, which is in general really positive, but you have a few militant people that are leading it that they want to bully the men now and they want to, they just want power so they can be the bully and that doesn't, you know, that doesn't fix the problem. No. Then we just have a seesaw effect. What we need to do Great. is create a space where there's true equality and nobody has more power than anybody else, right? Well, that, wow. That we all is that sh- utopia? That we what? all share it <laughs> and that we all uh, you know, find a way forward together with everybody having a say and nobody controlling uh, other people. And, you know, like you said, we're a long way off from that. But if you think about in your lifetimes, how much things have changed with wow. race relations, with uh, with uh, f- the feminist movement, there's been a lot of advancement, too. And I think that we sometimes forget how far we've come in a short period of time. Not to say that there's not a lot more work to do on both racial and gender fronts, but we've we've come a long way in the last 50, 60 years. That's true. It is. Uh, you know, um, I'm married to a wonderful woman who has a... She's a Italian. 
Thank you, Skippy. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know that. I know you didn't. You kept eating uh, lemon cheese. He figured that out when he found you the knife in the bed. Kept eating Chinese Lebanese food or whatever the food. <laughs> I'm shocked. She's actually Italian. Well, she talked no, Italian to you. Go ahead. She's half Italian. The other half is Sicilian. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. That's not Italian. That's tough. <laughs> Now, where was I going with this conversation? You said you're married to a wonderful woman. I, I don't know if you need to go further. Mom, are you listening? <laughs> I think she heard I think that. I better shut up now. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's good to know when to stop. Uh, well, Skip, you, you talked about hard times, and you've uh, had some other hard times. When Ruthie was still here, you almost lost your son who had to have a Ooh. liver transplant. It's ironic you're saying that the 24th of this month, it's 20 years. So 10 days from now. Yeah. And, uh, of course, wow. your father and mother were involved helping us. But when that happened, uh, it's even hard to express the feelings I had. I still get emotional talking about it. Me yeah. too. Because it became like I was going to lose the boy. Yeah. I had two daughters. But you see a 28-year-old kid. And, uh, and again, he knows. Uh, we were at the BI. I'll just tell you briefly. Yeah. And when they finally sat us down, me, Ruth, the doctor, and Anthony, and my son didn't understand too much because he was going through the ammonia crisis that hurt his brain. And they said, well, we got three days to, uh," I said, three days for what? He says, well, if your son doesn't get a liver, he's going to die. I can still look at my wife. And then he calls me. (laughs) I says, Ivan, you got to come over. Uh, because my son said he wants to get his business in order. He, at that time, was dealing with uh, real estate and real stocks, estate. and he had some money. And we had to get a lawyer. I pull him, and he's a, he's a basket case, thinking yeah. of this. Did yeah, you says, think of your own kid? He says, sure. Well, and he known Anthony. For known Anthony, Anthony so a lot of years. Oh, the day he was born. Yep. Right? He called and said, you got to come over. So I came over to the hospital, and I said, well, what do you want me to do, Skippy? I want you to help uh, Anthony write his will. Yes. That was it. He had a heart attack. <laughs> I had to take care of him. I got emotional just thinking about it. Yeah, we were. It was. It was. We were in that hospital for ten hours because they had a screwed up transplant team, and we had to take them to the Mass General. Thank mm-hmm. God. And we waited, and wait, every every ten minutes was like two hours. So I drove over in the in the ambulance with him, holding his hands, which is another story. And we got to the Mass General, and at that time I was working with the census. And the guy, the, my boss at the census, comes into the hospital saying, if you want my liver, I'll give you part of it. Wow. Obviously it couldn't be done. Right. But just that gesture was unbelievable. Yeah. And uh, so we... There was a liver that became available that night, but the blood type was off. Right. They don't like to do that. So we stayed over the hospital, my wife and his then girlfriend, immense people watching him. I'd go in for 20 minutes, and I'd have a hard time because he was all over the place. Yeah. The next morning, I see a Dr. Yang and a Wen, whatever her name was, and an assistant running by me, 6 in the morning. I was sleeping in the lobby. We're going down to uh, Ohio to get a liver. That was it. I cried. I just. I talked to my friend Nunzio. He didn't know it was me talking. I couldn't talk right. 
Yeah. I was so emotional. And then they flew the liver in by 11 that day or whatever. And you're going like this because you don't want a plane crash. Yeah. And my kids knew I was starting to feel it. My legs were buckling. And uh, we all embraced. And the liver came about. And ever since, he's got two children. And every time I see him or the kids, I think it's a, it's a blessing. How many years ago was that, Skip? 20. 20. 20 years. Whew. And so, we should say he's also a staunch conservative. He is. <laughs> he he <laughs> actually uh, loves Trump. I don't know why, but he's entitled. <laughs> I'll tell you why. He, I know you will. Please but, don't. Uh, <laughs> anyhow, we don't talk much about it. No, but I, I think that I bring that up sort of as a joke to lighten the mood because it's a, a heavy subject. Obviously, he's your son. You don't really care what his politics are. He's at your, that time, he's I didn't care at all. But right. the good thing that came out of that, we started the foundation. Yeah. Anthony Pick Foundation for eight years. We went to all these hospitals and I spoke at the organ bank. He came. We raised 175000 and we helped about 250 families. Yeah. But the biggest thing about that, Mike, was the money helped, 800 2000 whatever it was. So many people said, thank you for caring. Yeah. Well, I think uh, that's really the reason. Well, it's obviously it's always nice to hear someone share about a difficulty that they got through. We do a lot of that on this podcast, but it's also really important for us to remember what's important. Um, and so we live in this society now where we're taught to think about the differences and how we differ from other, other people. And then in times of great tragedy or on the verge of great tragedy, all that gets stripped away. You don't ask somebody who they voted for, how much money they have, what their sexual preference is, what their religion is. You don't care. It's just a human being that needs help, and you're going to help them. And whether you're a conservative or a Democrat, uh, you guys had the same reaction to the same problem, which is this guy, this kid needs help, and we got to help him. And then you have all these other people jumping in saying they want to help. And my point is that th this is... We don't need tragedies to treat each other like this. Mm. Uh, they're great reminders of how we should treat each other, but we don't need them. I don't know if you remember, but I remember it wasn't at that time, but it would have been maybe a year or two, three years later when he was finally out of the woods. Yeah. I remember talking to you that, you know, I'd like to have a, a wake-up moment like that someday in my life, and I hope that it doesn't have to come through, that way. through a tragedy. And luckily, I didn't even really think of this until now. Luckily, it did. A few, five, six years ago, I had that moment of, well, I've shared many times. It was the Boston Marathon bombing that, that really hurt me uh, and made me realize <laughs> we, we can't keep treating each other like this, and, and I've got to do something about it. And you are. And I am now, and that's why I'm doing this. It's why I do the show. It's why I wrote the book. It's why I do all of it, because ultimately, we have to find a way to that space so that we, we relate to each other like that more often than not instead of the reverse. Well, you know, it's interesting to get off of that a little bit, just back to politics. Democrats... Oh, are perfect. <laughs> ruin, the, ruin the nice moment we have well, going. <laughs> Democrats are not going away. Neither are Republicans. You better learn to live with both. Bring it to the middle, unenrolled, whatever, and come up with three or four or five policies from both sides well, that's, that, that help all the people. That's what I've said for many years now is what we have is a 50-50 tug of war. Yeah. And a 50-50 tug of war is a zero-sum game. 
Yep. Nobody wins, nobody loses. Temporary it just wins stays, at best. It just, yeah, exactly. You pull a little bit this way, they pull a little bit back that way. Yeah. You pull a little bit this way. They, you know, where are we going to get to a point where we meet in the middle and we talk to each other like adults and we say, all right, let's start with the things that we all have in common. We all want this country to be great. We have very different views on how that happens. Yeah. But let's start from there and let's keep that at the forefront as opposed to our personal preferences and our personal interests. Let's put the interests of the greater good at the forefront. And that's, you know, really the conversation I'd like to see happen in America. What do you think, Mr. Conservative? <laughs> I was teasing him last night as he was watching uh, Hannity that he was, he was Hannity that he oh. was preparing for divi the divide the nation segment that well, we you were going to shoot today. <laughs> you got the best guy in Hannity. Oh, he knows how to divide them, boy. He is. But good you know, at, that. at one time, actually, he, that character is largely based on him. Yeah. Because what uh, – and in politics aside, what that guy does – and, uh, again, I, I don't think it's – for me personally, I don't think it's much different for Rachel Maddow, for instance. Yeah. What they do is that they incite people to blame the other side. That's correct. So that they can get ratings and make money. And uh, all they do right. is incite. Now, I should say and give my dad a little bit of a pass that he's been interested in political theater – my whole life, so he. I can't many, remember when I didn't. Many people have just gotten into this over the last few years with the giant rise in Fox News and MSNBC. You've been doing this for many years, laughing at the TV, <laughs> calling people names through the TV. Uh, so I know you don't take it that seriously. To you, it's kind of a, a funny, silly thing to watch. But I think we can all agree it's gotten serious over the last few years, and people are really starting to believe this. Which is why I do that parody show on my show. Guys, we're all being duped here. Absolutely. These people are just making money by pitting us against each other. It's a, it's a big scam. It's just uh, something that uh, politics is, is money and these people in, in Washington are just doing it to keep their job. And uh, we just keep going. Skippy and I just keep going, talking and doing our thing and working. And uh, discussing politics, as we always do, sometimes it gets a little heated and sometimes it doesn't. But we always part friends. If, it's, if it takes 24 hours before we reunite, it takes 24 hours. Or that one time it took a few months, but whatever. Well, well I wasn't going to bring that <laughs> you know, Come on. You might, you might. But hey, you found your way back, and that's well, the point. We're trying to keep this yeah, program <laughs> focused and <laughs> happiness. But when Hannity was on originally— there was another guy called Combs. He was the Democrat. Oh, right. So yeah. they would have a segment where they both had a piece. Yeah. It was much better then. Yeah. yeah. Because it's easy to brainwash. Yeah. Well, I once, you remember this, I once, when I was still in L.A., I dated a girl that used to go on the Bill O'Reilly show as the Democrat to argue with him. <laughs> She's a very well, pretty, very name? smart girl. I used uh, to watch that. Uh, Tanya Acker. She actually has oh. a show now on TV. She's uh, a Democrat? She, yes, very much so. Um, but, you know, I got to see behind the curtain a little bit. They, they bring on the Democrat. All right, come on and argue. And like you guys saw when, you know, you've talked many times about the old political ways and Tip O'Neill, um, yep. you know, being the Speaker of the House and then arguing with, was it Reagan? Reagan, Reagan. Yep. And they would argue and battle each other to the death on the, on the floor. And then they'd go have a steak and a beer together and— Play you know, poker. And put their put their differences aside. Interestingly, when Reagan got shot, 
Tip O'Neill was the first guy to visit him. Yeah, because that's the thing is they that they fought, but they had respect. They had mutual respect, and they realized that they on some level they were playing a political game, and someone was going to win sometimes, and the other was going to lose sometimes. But they were each going to get wins and losses. And now, it's become. Uh, my understanding is I've had people tell me this is still just a big show behind the scenes. A lot of these people are, are friends and do talk. Maybe it's, it's hard to believe yeah, the way they tr- the way they treat each other. And and I, I I'll say this. I mean. I was appalled by what Pelosi did with Trump's speech. Yeah. Now, I'm not a big Trump guy. I didn't vote for him. I didn't vote for Hillary either. Um, but I think it's important to be a respectful citizen, to I be a respectful American, and to teach kids that you don't like what someone says, so you're going to rip up their speech right in front of America. I think it's a terrible message to send. And uh, I agree. And, uh, you know, yeah. that, that type hey, of— Hey, we agree, Skip. See? All right, there we go. Stop. <laughs> Julie, cut the tape. It's over. <laughs> they agreed. That's all we <laughs> what, what she did has brought it down to Trump's level. Right. He does it all the time. Well, that's my point is what we do in society and what we do, especially in politics, and, it, and it, it does ooze down to us as well, and I'm not absolving myself of this because I do it too. What we do is we say, well, they did it too. Yeah, true. And I sit there and I go— this is a three-year-old's argument. <laughs> and we and we as adults that are supposed to be teaching kids that we want things to be better for future generations, we use that excuse. Yeah. Well, he did such and such and said such and such, so I can re- rip up the speech. Yeah. What are you talking about? You're a five-year-old. Yep. Yep. <laughs> well, hopefully, well, the last time I saw any cohesion was when Clinton and Gingrich worked together on the— uh, yep. Contract with America in '94. Right. Of course, Clinton knew he was going to have troubles, and they that contract with America actually had a lot of validity to it. Yeah. And then, of course, Gingrich became a mentally a superstar and went down the drain as well, like they often do. But yeah. for that brief time, I saw. Ever since then, well, the the Clintons too. I mean, at that point. You know, I know Dad was never a big supporter, but, you know, he did a lot of good things as a president for the country yep, and advanced a lot of social programs that needed advancement. And I don't know what the heck happened to those two, but talk about getting a big head and thinking you're – I mean, they started this whole movement of we're for the people, we're going to help people, and now all they do is line their own pockets. They do. And at, at great cost and with quite a bit of shadiness in the background that we're not really sure what's they, going on. It won't be either. <laughs> Yeah, no. And in fact, I probably shouldn't even say this on air. I I might need to get a security team since I said that in public. Watch yourself. (laughs) Yeah, Epstein did not kill himself, people. Anyway, moving (laughs) along. (laughs) Poor Um, guy. Yeah, I don't think poor guy. I think he probably deserved whatever he got. No. Whatever he was into. Wonderful man. But, uh, you know. Next. that, that, That just shows, you know, again, at the elite level of politics on either party, they don't stand for the people. They stand for themselves. They stand for their side and their argument, whatever that argument happens they to be at the moment. They were a few. You're right. They were a few. Well, like Paul what, Songus was a pretty good guy, had a nice family. You could see some goodness in certain people, yeah. uh, but not all that many. Well, um, currently, there's a very current topical one, Tulsi Gabbard. She, I've listened to her on Joe Rogan's podcast a couple of times for hours at a time. She's an incredibly intelligent, well-spoken woman, seems to have the best interest of the people and the country involved. She's a veteran. She's still active reserve. 
Yet, but she, what she stands for is breaking down the industrial military complex. And guess what? She doesn't win a lot of friends doing that, no. including the giant media conglomerates who war is good for their business, right? Mm. Uh, so even, you know, she's had a big thing with CNN where they wouldn't put her on the debate stage. They won't give her any coverage because she wants to break down the fuel that fires the CNN engines. Yeah. Uh, but by the way, this is something that's good for the country and good for the people. But no, no, the rich people don't want to see that. And I'm not talking about rich Republicans or rich Democrats. Rich I'm talking people. about rich people that want to keep the masses down and keep things as they are. The interesting thing about the uh, trickle-down, which started what, back in uh, oh, gosh, Reagan's years? Reagan? Yeah. yeah, Reaganomics. It's been used three times. Tried. Reagan. And not worked once. But it can't work. Of course Because not. people with money aren't going to give any money. Up. Of course. You they know don't what like actually, those programs. What actually happened with that was it, it had a reverse. It had the reverse yeah. effect. It was trickle-up economics. Yeah. And that's one of the things. And again, I'm not picking sides because I have things about either side that annoy the crap out of me. One of the things that annoys me out of the real staunch conservatives is how they hold Reagan up as he was this great president and he did all these great things and he was so good for the country. And I'm thinking, I was a time, I was a young kid then and I remember trickle-down economics. And I knew at the time it was bullshit. And it's still bullshit. It doesn't work. It won't work. And what I learned And I'm not saying that Reagan was a terrible president and he shouldn't be praised for some of the things yeah. that he did. I'm just saying... He was not this perfect president that he's meeting, being made to be posthumously. I voted for him twice as a Democrat and because he gave you a good feeling. Come yeah. to find out, and I found out two years ago, he had the most corrupt administration, the eight years, 135 indictments. I said, what? I looked it up. Yeah, again, I think that wow. it doesn't. Uh, either, either you can look at any presidency in our lifetime, right? And you, if you dig deep enough, if we got to know the truth, you know that's why the stuff that's going on with Trump is kind of weird to me because obviously the guy is super brash and he says things that he shouldn't say and he handles himself in a way that he shouldn't handle himself. But really, is he doing anything that any other president hasn't done? Well, he's, he's done just it doing it. Way. He's just doing it more publicly, yeah, which is exactly a, right. a huge mistake. And he shouldn't be doing that. Um, well, you tell him. But, you know, and I think what he did was wrong. Is it impeachable? I don't know. I don't know. Well, what that, do you do if someone did something you de deem to be wrong, working with a foreign government? Well, what is the when punishment? it's the president, you vote, and it's a presidential election, oh, so you, you, you vote them out of the office. But you do, because that's yeah. the problem for me with this whole I thing agree. is that, again, you know I'm more liberal than conservative, but I've become more and more mo moderate as liberals have become more and more militant. I don't blame you. Because militant liberalism doesn't make sense to me. Um, but one of the things that drives me nuts about that whole process is these, the Democratic movement that's trying to get him out of office is doing the exact same thing that they're accusing him of. Exactly. They're using their political position— to try and remove him. Now, I'm not saying that they shouldn't be trying to remove him, but you know, as a citizen who's just watching, trying to be neutral, I'm going, wait a minute, you're doing the same thing you said he's doing, and now you want you want to remove him because of it? I, I don't know. The whole thing just. I think it's going to be a, a blood bloody year, a bloody bloody year. Yeah. Well. It's well, going to be an interesting election. So uh, much for an uplifting podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> I we mean, still got we still got 15 minutes to it, save it. <laughs> when, when Ronald Reagan 
uh, had the uh, Iran-Contra, he admitted, I made a mistake. It ends with me. Yeah. This guy doesn't make any mistakes. That's right. Well, yeah, I mean, he's a— In he, his mind, whatever his life. He's always him. been that way, right? I've fo- yeah, that was I, nothing We've new. followed yeah. his career forever. I've never liked the guy. I've never liked the way he handled, him, yeah. handled himself. I don't now. But again, as an American, I think it's important that we— um, be respectful to the office of the oh, presidency, absolutely. even if we don't respect the guy that happens to be sitting in that chair. That's correct. Or hopefully someday we have we actually get a woman that we can respect that sits in that chair. We'll take that girl. Yeah, in the Julie, corner. you're Julie. up. Julie Manoogie in 2020. We've just 2020. Uh, I'll she give you can't a, do worse than Deval Patrick you don't did. Want that job, do you? Did. No. Yeah, yeah. 20 he's weeks. A, he was he's a woman. He's, he's already gone. Um, Deval Patrick, who was, he's out already. Was he in? Deval? He was in. Yeah. Didn't you give him five bucks? Ten. <laughs> Ten. <laughs> who are you? Uh, who, not, not that we're getting into this, but, you know, again, we the, the point of this conversation is just to talk about these things and realize that we can speak respectfully even if we disagree vehemently. So, Skip, who are you looking at for uh, to take Trump off his pedestal? Well, well you know, it's interesting <laughs> because once Trump started, I was with him. Yeah. And then I found out he was a pig. <laughs> and the way he talked, <laughs> and the way he did You didn't things. read his book he put out 30 years you know, ago? It was really pretty obvious then. He yeah. was Skippy, <laughs> what, what woke you up? Uh, and then I heard him talking on the campaign trail, and I said, not my type of guy. Yeah. I made 50 bucks because I said he'd win the nomination. They laughed at me, and I don't know how he won it yet. I mean, I have my ideas who helped him. But yeah. the fact remains, I looked at him and what he said and done, and I'll only say this to you. He's a bully. He's a liar, he's a denigrator, disrespectful, and no morals. How can I be with a guy like that? Yeah, well, I, I, as you know, I don't, Even dis- if you give I don't disagree breaks. with you at, about him as a person. I, I feel the same way. The question is, yeah. who do I how like? Can, how can they get, how can the Democrats, and I say they because I'm registered no affiliation, have always been, probably will always be, because yeah. I don't believe in aligning with one party line and sticking you. there. But, like, who, the, just from a political gamesmanship standpoint, well, who can beat this guy? Well, I'll tell you this. There's some good people in that fight that won't get there. I Amy Klobuchar uh, is a bright girl. Yeah, she's making some noise, yeah. though. She might have a Buttigieg's chance. Buttigieg's a bright young kid, but, you know, the difficulties. That would be an interesting yeah. head-to-head battle. Uh, uh, I knew Biden. I said he'll be out in the middle of March, and he will. Yeah. Uh, and Warren doesn't belong there either. So you got Sanders, who's got a cult like Trump. Yeah. Well, I see, that's the thing that's that, not really, I like that really annoyed me about the last election. And when I really, that was the last straw with the Clintons for me. When they stole the Democratic nomination from Bernie, that I was done with them. I was pretty much done with them before then. But once that happened, that was it. Because she, not only did they, run. they steal the chance of, of fair politics and a fair election, but think about the TV of Bernie Sanders versus Donald Trump and the debates that we would have had. <laughs> Comedy gold you forever. Had, who's the guy on TV? David? Larry David? Larry David. He did Sanders better than Sanders. Yeah, well, do you know he found out eventually? He was doing that bit, and then he found out that they're actually cousins. Really? They're really related. They're related? Oh, <laughs> yeah. my gosh. But getting back, I think that the Bloom, Bloomberg guy, uh, because he was a mayor, right? Uh, he's got one thing that could hurt him, that's being Jewish. I don't know how bad that goes. He certainly got more nuts than the other guy. Yeah. Trump well, is just I mean, a talker. In the last two presidents, I've been dead wrong when they were first elected. When Obama was elected, I was dating that 
that girl, uh, Tanya Acker, is an African-American. I said, I hate to tell you, I like the guy, but he's got no chance. This country's too racist. And I was wrong. Trump, I thought, no chance. He's too crazy. He's too brash. Well, he even felt that. Uh, <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> so now I'm wondering, when am I well, going to be wrong about this time? When you uh, because I have the sense that it's looking like he's going to coast in to another A four lot of years. people told me that, and I... It's hard for me Which to believe. Which is scary and weird to think about. It is. That people well, could be that way. That's my opinion. Uh, go ahead, Dad. We've been rambling on. <laughs> let, let, let's get uh, let's let get our token conservative get uh, some uh, Token words conservative. You just said something that triggered my thought. I can't oh, remember. he's triggered. Slow down. Hang trigger. on. What Conservatives you, don't get triggered. Roy Rogers. Trigger. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was talking about Bernie. Bernie is um, too far to the left as a communist. Uh, he, he, <laughs> I mean, anybody who knows anything about Bernie, well, how could you vote for a guy like that and look at the communist uh, regime today and no. say, but, do you well, want it's, something? Uh, look, I mean, let, 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 me, uh, let me just interject for a okay. second, then I'll let you get back to that. I think people make too much out of this whole communist thing, like it's the 50s and he's a communist, right? So oh, what, that, okay. what I, what I, the way I look at this, just so I can explain to people out there, um, Trump ran on a very right-wing policy. He was never going to get a wall built. But we did and do need uh, immigration reform, for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. And Bernie's never going to get a lot of the stuff that he wants to get, free college for everybody, go whatever. Through Congress, yeah. But he may lead, there needs to be reform in, co- in what's going on with colleges <laughs> because we're being robbed by these giant universities to pay exorbitant amounts for education. So I just want to interject and say about that, but please Next. continue. Okay. Um, I'm not going to talk about Sanders. I'm going to talk about Trump because um, what I see oh, about— Oh, <laughs> You can take your headphones off, Skippy, oh. if you don't want to listen. <laughs> Go ahead, Dad. Um, I, I, did not, I do not like the man as a person. But what I see about him, and the reason why I voted for him the last time was what I've seen in the past, uh, people promising, 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 and not delivering. Uh, so this guy's going to promise and promise and promise. Let me see if this guy does deliver. Well, he has delivered a bit. He hasn't built the wall. He wants that wall, yes, but he can't get that. It's not going to happen. Get, not going to happen. But, again, immigration reform should happen. Okay. That's, <laughs> at that point, yes, immigration is a, is a, is a crazy. A big problem. Idea, big problem. But you know what? Give me more. People are working. Okay. When, pe- when people are working more so than they have in the past, okay, we're all happy we're working. Okay, and we can uh, just not look at politics in any other way except I got my job, I've got my pay, and I'm I'm happy. Unemployment rate is what three point two five, five, no, three point five, three point five somewhere around there. I can't remember it was when it was that low. It's the lowest it's been in a long time. Yeah, I can't. 50 years. Uh, yes, we've been around, so you know, we got a lot of history to check. I say, and when people are happy working and they see these crazy people on the other side coming back, you know, uh, with all these uh, utopian type of promises that you look at that and you say, jeez, can you really deliver that? Right, but everybody said that about Trump, too. 
and, and let's not. For, he, I can't remember what he. Yeah, well, I can. I don't have okay. a short memory like most people do. Four years ago, at this time, they thought Trump had no chance. Right. He's too crazy. He's too brash. The Republicans will never embrace him. And he's, they did. He's never. Get, well, they did once he beat their ass. One he won. And then, and then they had to because it was either him or Hillary. Then they had to embrace him. So what, the reason I say that is. Uh, I'm very interested to see how this thing's going to shake out for the oh, Democrats yeah, because too. four years ago, uh, say four and a half years ago, everybody was laughing at the Republicans. They've got no chance. There's 12 people running. We don't know who it's going to be. Nobody's, you know, nobody's stepping to the forefront. The same thing's happening on the opposite side now. So I would not be surprised if someone like a Pete Buttigieg came out of nowhere and, and people rallied behind this guy. I mean, I don't know. I don't know enough about him. I'm not saying I support him or don't support him. Well, that's why him. I think Bloomberg's the guy in terms of money. He's got a background. He's got a lot of guts. He's if got a lot want of somebody money. in the middle. He's got a lot of money. And he doesn't take PAC money, which I do like. He doesn't take, he doesn't need to. <laughs> right? <laughs> he's going to spend $2 billion. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. He's got probably going to spend more money than the state takes in. Two billion dollars, and he can afford it. Yeah, it's funny. His, his TV ad says he's just a middle class kid. Well, he, in nineteen thirty, <laughs> suppose he was at one point. He was. <laughs> he obviously came from. His mother lived in Medford. You know, he graduated Medford High in nineteen sixty, I think, uh, somewhere around there. Uh, yeah, where your mother came from. Michael. Yeah. Oh boy, <laughs> the Medford. Medford. But the interesting part about him, and I didn't know this. When he was 39, Solomon Brothers let him go. He had a $10 million package. In 40 years, he built up to $60 billion because of the Bloomberg TV, I guess, mainly, that business. But the guy knows what, he's a legitimate business guy. All yeah. of them are, except the guy that's in the White House. Yeah, that's the interesting part is that people— He's call, not a good business. Well, yeah, no, Trump's, Trump's dad made the money or right. something. But he sold the name. Well, right, uh, right. Yeah, well, I mean, no, he's a great marketer and promoter. You yeah. cannot take that away from he's him. A he's great one marketer. of the best marketer and promoters we've ever seen. Absolutely. That's how he became president. Listen, he's president. He's a, ter <laughs> he's a terrible businessman. He went bankrupt two or three times. Six times. And he started with a bunch of money. It's hard to go bankrupt when you start with a big pile of money. <laughs> you got to be really bad at what you do. Is it, Skippy? Go bankrupt? I had two bankrupt. Three. <laughs> three? I'm trying to catch Trump. Oh, okay. <laughs> you going to run for president? No. I'm, good. You know, uh, I told you, Bloomberg just turned 78. Sanders is 78. Biden, he's at Don Orion home today. <laughs> yeah. He's going to be 78. And Trump in June will be 74. Yeah. How does that play to the young people? Not very well. That's why the, uh, the Democratic side is trying to get, get it approved for 16-year-olds to vote. Really? Yeah. They can't yeah. even drive. Uh, you know, 16? <sighs> yeah. <laughs> I think 18 is hot enough. Right. I mean, you're not an adult until you're probably just about 30. Uh, if, but, yeah, if you get to that stage. Yeah, right, if you make it. Once you make a couple of paychecks, then you must become a... Yeah, well, you're paying taxes. Oh, you pay rent. You're a citizen. You get, you get out of the house and pay rent. Then you start growing then up. Then you start to realize that, uh, you know, i got to start thinking, how am I going to vote so that I can make my life uh, simple? Yeah. That's why the young people, they always tell you, they're democratic till they start needing to make money and... And then some people turn conservative because they are interested in 
keeping their money. Keeping yeah, well, I mean, well, that's the thing is that every everything gets put into one box or another, right? Yeah. You could be fiscally conservative and socially pr- progressive. You know, that's I, not that often, though. You see, no, that. but you can be, and I think that what we're doing is we're trying to force everybody into two boxes. Yeah, most people don't fit into either of those no. boxes, right? So that's the point of of this conversation. The point of all conversations that I have politically is that we have to meet based on the things that we have in common. There's a ton of things we have in common. Yeah. Let's talk about those things. That well, start immigration from there. is one. Yeah, infrastructure is another. Infrastructure is a giant problem. Is that even being addressed by anybody on the campaign trail? Infrastructure in this country, we're, we're 50 years no, behind all other, most other they countries. They got bridges that already killed people, and they haven't done anything about it. I don't understand the problem with the with the roads. It's I mean well, on the way over here, Skippy. I yeah, think listen, I'll don't get yourself in trouble here. You know you do work for the highway department. Oh, so let's I be forgot. careful about what we How say. On there? I, <laughs> all, all I was going to say is I almost lost a filling coming over here because of the holes <laughs> in the ground. <laughs> maybe you should talk to hey, somebody in your building. Maybe he is a comedian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe it was your driving. I don't know. Thank you. You, you kept uh, pointing your hey, wheel right to the... He's a professional driver, I'll have <laughs> Remember, know. 61 years of driving. Yeah. So listen, let's, let's finish this. Let's take it back to yeah. uh, food and music. Great. The things that unite us. Yeah, how do we Eggplant Parmesan. We having that tonight? No, we're going to have uh, steak tonight. Steak on the grill, ribeye... Bone in. We're going to play some Frank Sinatra. Oh, and a little bit more wine. We're going to have a little bit more wine. we still got some left in the bottle in case anybody's wondering. We take a Julie with us? Yeah, if if she wants to come. come You know we got enough food. (laughs) That's never (laughs) been an issue at our house. Nope. I'm sure my mother... Had got had a little panic attack and made seventeen other dishes while we were here, <laughs> well, she just makes to make the sure clams. there's enough food. I love the clams. We have some clams. We can take some clams out of the freezer. Oh, for they're you. great. We got to do those on cooking with Nana Z. The stuffed clams. Show people how to make those. Those are great. Well, we just you did, did that night, didn't you? We did uh, meatballs. All oh, meatballs. And then we just did biscuits. So now we're making our way I, around the uh, biscuits and meatballs. There's a good sandwich. Oh, Me- meatball sandwich on a biscuit. And you go right to sleep. And a glass of wine. <laughs> and you go right to sleep. All right. Well, I, you know, I think that we had a, a good, healthy, productive conversation. We don't agree on everything, but, you know, we can talk about these things. And, and the point, of, like I said, I don't talk a lot of politics on the show because it's divisive. I almost never talk about my political views in public because I don't want to be attacked. I, the thing that, that really bothers me is we've gotten to a place in this country where people are shamed for who they support and who they vote for politically. Yeah. That is the most un-American thing I can imagine. I agree. In a free democratic society, people are allowed to vote for whoever they want. And if you people out there want to vote for Trump, God bless you. Go ahead. I hope he doesn't win. I don't want not necessarily want to see another four years of this guy. But if he wins and wins fairly, then that's the president, and we move forward together. Hopefully. And that's one thing that has bothered me a lot is that the people, there are some people that just don't re- respect the office of the presidency. No. You know, Skippy and I have I, been Democrat, oh. Republican, and whomever the president has been, we have always respected the office, not the person perhaps, yeah. but at least the office. And that's the one you've thing. Been, you've been good about that. I'll, I'll give you credit for that. Pardon? I said you've been, always been good house. about that. In 1992. But, 
Remember when Clinton won? But again, what we're, what we're you're, my place. What yeah. you're saying here is people not currently not respecting the office of the presidency. But again, short short memories. There were tons of conservative people that were not respecting the office of the presidency when Obama was in there. Oh. That's true. And and again, that's not an excuse to, to not respect the current president, exactly. office of the presidency. Exactly. That's correct. That's actually an excuse to do it more, yeah. to show that we're better than this. And that even if we don't like the person that's there, we have respect for the country and respect for the democratic system that we have, which needs a ton of reform, and we need to fix it or else we're all in trouble. But we have to do it from a place of respect, not it from comes, a place of resistance. It comes from the bottom. It doesn't come from the top. It doesn't come from right. our leaders. It has to come from the people on the street, the people who are holding the strap going to work, the people who are, are uh, in dire need of help have to start from the bottom and bring it up to those people that Yeah, and are our in mechanism office. to do that is to hold people accountable by voting them out of office. Voting and we, them out. We, and we need to do a better job of that. But one thing, I, I just want to end on this. I've seen a lot over the last four years and the last eight years before that of standing against things. Right, that we need to resist, whether it was conservatives resisting Obama and blocking him from getting anything done, or the same thing happening now on the other side yeah. with Trump. We need to learn to stand for things. We stand for kindness. We stand for tolerance. Then practice kindness and tolerance. You know, we stand for gov government staying out of our lives or being less involved in our lives. That don't tell women what they can and can't do with their bodies. You know, this hypocrisy needs to stop. We need to learn what we stand for and then commit to it and be honest and truthful about the things that we stand for. I agree. And when you do something, take responsibility for it and own it. Well, everybody says, oh, it's not my fault. It was because he's a president. Or he's the president. Or I did that because she did something. That's it's, right. No one wants to take the responsibility for their own behavior. And that is another big problem in this country. I agree wholeheartedly, and it's why I do the work that I do. Each of us needs to be accountable to try and be the best person we're capable of being. And if we all did that, instead of arguing with each other, this country would be fine. Now, Skippy and I have had arguments, and uh, you've, you've seen a few of them. Yeah, I have. <laughs> More than my share. <laughs> but the, at the end, we hug each other. We love each other, we respect each other, and we separate, and then we come back again, and we might go over the same problem again, but it was always respectfully done. It was, it was with love and affection, and uh, when I've been angry with him and he's been angry with me, in a couple of days, I can't wait to see him again. Yeah, I don't you know, blame you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that that's a great way to end, that... Uh, our friendships, our connections, uh, our commonalities, commonalities that unite us are much more powerful than the things that divide us. And we need to take responsibility for that, to go back to these friendships, to go back to our family relationships. And, um, and you know, relate to each other that way. You know, we're in Can this I together whether we like it or not. Just to end, I just want to thank you for your time and what you're doing, and God bless. Thank you, Skippy. And I love you as I've always loved you. Th thanks, Pop.
Maybe it's not too late. I think that's a great theme for today's show. Uh, It's never too late until it's too late. So we still have a chance to come together. We still have a chance to unite and stand together. And I hope that we all learn to make that choice. I have tons of friends that I and family that I disagree with politically, and it doesn't affect our friendship or our family relationship because we don't let it. And that's not to say that it's always been that way. Um, I've had to work on that, and it takes work. So, look, let's work on it. Let's uh, stand for each other. There's a lot of uh, great people out there that we might disagree with, and um, we don't want to alienate people. We want everyone involved so that we can all bring our best to whatever it is we do, including trying to run this country and trying to find our way out of this divisive chaos. So that's it, putting the soapbox away now. Um, thanks for listening. We've got the new show, Zelosophy TV with Uncle Z and Friends. In the next two weeks, I'm going to have episode one up on YouTube, and it's going to be airing on Lex Media here. And then hopefully we'll call and... Uh, Uh, influence some other stations in the area to air it on their local station. So keep an eye out for that. We have a GoFundMe page because uh, to do this podcast and to to run that show takes a lot of my time and uh, I need need your help and support. So go to GoFundMe, look up Zelosophy TV with Uncle Z and Friends. The upcoming appearances you heard at the beginning, but I'll run through them again here quick. Sunday, March 1st at the National Golf Expo at the Seaport World Trade Center, Boston, with Hardy from 98.5 Sports Hub, talking philosophy on golf. Saturday, March 28th at the Tennessee State Museum in Nashville, uh, we're doing a philosophy talk on harmony. That talk is sponsored by Delgado Guitars and Cremona Strings, uh, and uh, so that's great. So thank yous now. We always want to thank uh, my lovely producer, Julie Manugan hanging in there in the corner, making the show happen. Also, a a shout-out to Terry, who helped out. Terry Samaras, our nice Greek friend, who helped a ton in the studio and the uh, the stuff that I shot with Skippy and my dad. Wait till you guys see this Divide the Nation uh, with Rich Hader and those guys. It's hilarious. Uh, Thanks for the podcast studio usage, courtesy of Lex Media. The theme song, Surf is by Captain Blackheart. You can find him on iTunes and Spotify. To find out more about me and philosophy, go to philosophy.org. It's spelled just like philosophy, but with a Z instead of a PH. You can email me with any questions, comments, suggested topics of discussion, or to tell me off at info at philosophy.org. Philosophy on Golf is available on, Am- on Amazon in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook. It's a great gift for the philosopher or golfer in your life. If you want a signed copy, email me at info I think we've done enough for today. That's it. Thanks, Julie. And we'll talk to you soon. You're welcome.